Welcome to Travel, Train, Create. Life is one big adventure and you are always one decision away from a totally different life. I believe in documenting the process rain or shine and that we are all in this together. Here we have soul nourishing, gut spilling and heart pouring conversations about creative, athletic and entrepreneurial endeavors. I'm your host, Rebecca Law, and you can call me Becca. Zoe is a friend I made a few weeks ago at Lana Muay Thai here in Chiang Mai, Thailand. She's a fellow Canadian girl and she's had two fights on this recent trip in just the last couple of weeks. Her first fight was a win via knockout, but her second fight was a loss. This episode talks about the journey of traveling solo and pursuing the goal of stepping into a Muay Thai ring. We talk about the anxiety and challenges we face with letting go of timelines and expectations, the grueling difficulties of training in a fight camp, and what Zoe has learned from winning, losing, and getting right back up. So we're sitting in front of the cutest cafe in Chiang Mai, and I am here with the amazing Zoe, who I met at Lana Muay Thai about three or four weeks ago. In that amount of time, she's had, I think I saw, when I had first met you, how soon after was that, after your first fight? Um, like, it must have only been a few days. A few days? Well, yeah, because I fought, like, my two fights were within two weeks of each other. Holy freaking cow. Yeah. So, something like that. Within three weeks. I think so. Yeah. Don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> The thing with traveling and training and living this life, though, is that I just feel like I have no concept of time. Yeah, it's weird. Um, I don't, I don't know what that is. Like time sort of happens faster, it seems. It happens faster, but then it also just feels expansive because it's like it it goes so quickly. But then I feel like I've experienced more and I've experienced more intensely than I would in a similar amount of time back home. Right. Yeah. So that's what I think. That's what because generally, like I, I don't really feel it as much living in Chiang Mai and having a routine. Mm. But when I was like traveling on the road last year, I did like eight months of traveling through Asia, and that was like seeing you're seeing so much every day that's like different, and um, and it's like really like stimulating for your brain and right. really engaging. And I think that's where time kind of gets warped. Because yes. you're like having all these new experiences and it feels like so much ha happens in a day right. that would maybe like feel like a week. Right. So that's where, I think that's where this phenomenon of like a lot of growth in a person can happen yes. with traveling because it's like that all those experiences are compounded into a like short time, but it's so much. It's just the sheer amount of sensory input and it feels so novel and at times like a little bit overwhelming. Yeah, yeah. But then it's like, life goes on and then, you know, the sun rises the very next day. And right. you're off to the next new adventure. Right. It's just the nature of trying to record a pod. Oh yeah. <laughs> on the streets of Chiang Mai. Oh yeah, parking police. Oh, uh, the parking popo. Okay, so can you walk me through when you started traveling for an extended duration of time and making it more like a lifestyle. The big trip that I, solo trip I did through Asia was last year. Uh, and that was the first time I traveled for an extended period on my own. Like okay. it's not my first time traveling alone, but it was like, 
I, it kind of feels like my first solo trip. Yes. Because, like, I traveled alone in Europe, but, like, that's kind of, like, a home similar to home. Where, like, it's, it's really engaging and interesting from a cultural standpoint, mm-hmm. but there's not the same challenges of being, like, in a foreign place where you, like, literally have no, con- like, no sense of the language or... And Asia had always been, like, a trip I'd wanted to do, but I'd always said, like, I would... I would never go for like two weeks because like two weeks is just not enough so time. Enough. Yeah, and so if I was gonna go for the for the time it takes to get here and the expense it is and the amount that there is that I wanted to see, um, I was like, I, when I go, it's gonna be for like a long time. And so it was kind of, I don't know if I I don't like the idea of everything happening for a reason. There's just something that's like, I don't know if it's the control freak in me that just doesn't like the idea of having free will the idea of like everything happens for a reason suggests that like there's this predisposed plan and so I'm just like going through the motions of what's already gonna happen right. do you know what I mean it's, anyways but it was definitely unsettling. one of it was yeah it's is sort of unsettling and so there was um but there was a series of a sequence of events that happened Ooh, in me. Toronto that sort of when I was living and working there that sort of felt like stars were aligning to say like hey yeah this is this is the time to go and do that trip I was like okay like I'm no longer inspired by my job I'm getting kicked out of my place in Toronto I'm not really feeling inspired to be in Toronto anymore I'm single um my my roommate's friends have said that they're they have a friend who just wants to sublet for the one month that I would be like gone for it was like all of these things that I was like okay this is definitely the green light and so I told my employers and they were like 100% you should do this we are backing you a thousand percent like we can't give you anything else this is what we did at your age like go wander the world and so that's what happened and so it ended up being I did I went into it without a timeline like it was just like I'm one-way ticket and we'll see what happens um I had sort of like a rough outline of what I wanted to do um I ended up starting in Taiwan. I was a month in Taiwan, a month in Vietnam, a month in Cambodia, a month in Laos, and then came to Thailand and really loved Thailand. And so I was here for three months and then continued to New Zealand, which was where I intended to work. And then actually got super homesick and was like, that was like, I mean, that's another story of me sort of struggling with my ego in terms of being like, oh, I set out to do this goal and now mm. I think I actually want to quit and go home. And like, well, like, can I live with that? And so that, anyway, so that was this whole emotional journey in itself. But the whole trip in its entirety was eight months. And uh, and I left, but I left Thailand with unfinished business. So that's why I came back. Mm-hmm. When all those changes were happening, what was your state of mind? I would say it was like a willingness to see like, oh, this is the opportunity. Yeah. Like I planted the seed, now it's time to harvest. Like yeah. it's been cultivating, like now is the time. And so I guess it's, it's, it was a willingness, an openness to like recognize that it was harvest right. time. <laughs> so. Um, time to reap what yeah. you I mean, there was a part of me that, I mean, definitely leading up to actually departing for Taiwan I was a lot of anxiety Mm. and luckily I have a great personal board of directors and 
fantastic best friend who was like, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna deconstruct this. Like what, when you really think about like, what are the points, where are the origins of anxiety for you? And a lot of them were, had to do with like, with safety and money and some of them had to do with loneliness. And it's so funny cause like I journaled, it's not funny, but like I journaled all of it and um, and I used to write travel journals of like day one I did this and ate this and met yeah. this person and it's like I never read those again like it's to me it's not it's not useful journaling that's just me personally because um, I've written lots of those journals over yeah. my travels and I've yeah. never reread them and maybe I'll reread them when I'm old and gray and feeling nostalgic but like I just can't see it happening for me I've through, maybe through traveling, I, I would say I've discovered like discovered journaling and my emotions to be like such a cathartic process, where like I if I'm struggling with something emotionally, like that's how I understand it better because I'm having to articulate the thoughts and the feelings and write it down, and it's quite therapeutic. Anyways, so basically I ended up um, writing out all these anxieties post-departure or par pardon me pre-departure mm -hmm. and it's so funny to read it now where I'm like that's ridiculous like none of like after after a couple weeks on the road I was just like I got this I'm like so I was yeah. like so confident I was like this is all of those fears were totally unfounded it's so funny that you are like yeah when I look back at my journals of like day one and doing an activity log when I came here to Thailand I had two main goals which is to train in Muay Thai and to become a content creator. And so, you know, I've been putting together content, like trying to create like vlog style content, which sometimes I really do enjoy. Like I really like just getting to a cafe and then before I start working, I'll just take a second with my DSLR to take some photos of the space because I really want to just share those moments and I yeah. want to share how awesome of a cafe culture exists here in Chiang Mai. And it also allows me to just learn a little bit through practice about photography. Turns out I really enjoy. But I just feel like I really don't enjoy like this type of documentation where I'm I'm giving the play-by-play -play of what yeah. I did and what I found. And I know that not everybody is this type of way because like, I'm a very expressive person. I just know that I'm not going to necessarily think back to this journey and be like, this cafe and how cute the color of this mug was. For me, the significant moments are like me pouring my heart out through journaling yeah. about my anxiety, putting into practice what I've learned from my clinical counselor. What I've been doing recently is just turning on the camera and like talking to it. Mm. And for me, that's really cathartic. Right. And I just know that what's really moving and meaningful to me is like less of the play-by-play -play and more of the processing and journaling and just the emotional work that goes into like what you said real growth right from yeah. processing all those inputs yeah 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 so totally yeah and so I think that's the thing it's like people find it maybe people don't find it actually but when people find it I think it comes in different shapes and forms and mediums and yeah and so um and so I still journal and so uh about like basically whenever I'm feeling, <laughs> whenever I recognize I'm in like emotionally struggling with something, I'll like try and journal it and it's, most of the time it helps. 
And so I did actually journal like before coming back, be like Mm -hmm. what to remind myself. Like, actually that was an interesting one of my, and I say personal board of directors, I think because like, those are the people that I trust the most to like really give it to me straight. Yep. And love me regardless. Yep. And, uh, and I'm just so grateful for all those people on my, on my board. But anyways, unlike family who's like, I don't get to choose them. Like I love my family, but like my personal board of directors, people like I choose to like be my most exposed self to. Right. Anyway, so it was a, a very good friend of mine who was like, you need to write a letter to your future self as like whenever you're, once you're on the road, if there's a moment where you're like unsure of why you're there. Yeah then you need to reread that letter. And that was so helpful because there were not so many times, but there were like, especially at the beginning, a couple of moments where I was like, what the fuck yeah. am I doing here? I agree. And it doesn't happen a lot, but it will happen a few times. And each of those few times, yeah, it'll feel pretty intense. Yeah. And it, it happened to me, that feeling of like, what the fuck am I doing here happened again when I came back to Thailand, even though I was like, had very strong goal, like intentions right. for why I wanted to be here, came back to a familiar place. Like I was in Chiang Mai the most last, I was here for two months last year. And so it wasn't, and I, like a lot of my friends are, like some of my friends were still here. So it wasn't like, it wasn't even that there was like that unfamiliarity. I don't know if it was just like the travel time, the like just being exhausted, but it was like a few days of me being like, what the fuck am I doing here? Like, and there was never a point where I was like, I want to go back. There was never a point where I was like, I want to quit or like not do this. It was just, I don't know. It was just like this, this like space in between where you're like, haven't really, it's like unsettled. I pretty much know exactly what you mean because I have had a moment like that in the past couple of days where I was like, what the fuck am I doing with my life? I so clearly remember four months ago, fucking dreaming and praying to Jesus, having this goal of this life that I have right now, of that daily affirmation, I'm living life with conviction through traveling, training, and creating. That's the the origin of the name behind the show. Right. And it's just, it is is very odd to, to reconcile, and then it's like, how can I be here, but then, not really settled with where I am and wanting to be over there, back home where things were more regular and maybe it's because I'm sleep deprived. Maybe it's just because I'm like tired from fucking training two plus hours a day. It is really unsettling to go from one place in life where you're like, for me, was not living in alignment and then to be here now living in alignment and then still having what CBT, Cognitive Behavioral Therapy, calls negative automatic thoughts that just come up and ask and express self-doubt. Right. Which we all, I have to think we all have. I have to think that anybody, even if you're Beyonce. I've never met someone who never has a negative yeah. thought. <laughs> like, literally, I have to assume that right. like anybody at any place in life, no matter how good your external circumstances are, there's still the, the internal work never yeah. really ends. Yeah, so that's encouraging. <laughs> <laughs> We're all suffering yeah, together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're suffering together forever. Yay, but, humanity! Yay. <laughs> um, but no, I think traveling is is actually quite unique in the way it challenges you. The way it brings it out of you. Yeah, and it's interesting because like, so 
I don't want to like jump ahead too much, but I'm like coming, coming off of this second fight. I'm, it was just like interesting the way that it, it lined up. Cause it was, my second fight was a loss, which is my first loss. I only had two fights, but, um, it was also aligned with my membership at the gym expiring. So like, I was like, okay, like, do I want to keep going? I don't, I don't know. And then, uh, it's also like coming to the end of this trip, which was a year in the making of like this goal that I had set out to do. Right. And so there's a lot of like, it's, it feels very, in a lot of ways, a chapter ending, which is really, there's been like some interesting emotional processing that I haven't quite figured out yet. Um, and as someone who advocates traveling all the time for anyone it's uh it's interesting to kind of be finishing up this trip being like i think i'm good with like to not travel for a little while i think the um assumption that i had going into the realm of traveling and that just we as a society have is that like traveling is like a vacation like it is not the same fucking thing like you're either going on an on a vacation or you're doing like an adventure and it is exhausting yeah and i think your body and your spirit could just probably be like zoe we need to take a break i think it's different when you're doing a trip where like there's not a return date i mean you it's also a different kind of yeah sorry i'm i i i say that to agree with you that like i think taking a two-week vacation you're like okay cool this is like this is it has its own set of like yeah, challenges yeah, yeah. in terms of like a different culture or like the logistics of getting around or like budgeting etc cetera, etc cetera, all those things like but i know that after those two weeks i go home right and i think it's different when you're like here for even if it's several months but if you're here for an extended period or without a return date it's like a, its own kind of because there's not like the safety net of right. like a return date necessarily. I, yeah, you know, the like, like not having the constraints is so freeing. But it's also like, like for me, I'm kind of the same way. Like I just I want to have some finality. I want to have some structure around what is about to happen, and then not having that is can be just odd. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It takes getting. It's a. It takes some adjustment. For yeah. Sure. And so now I'm like, cool to just. Like, I mean, and also I find most people that I meet on the road are living pretty non-traditional totally. lives. And so, and I think that takes a lot of getting, getting used to and accepting yeah. or settling or whatever you want to call it, because um, you have to make your peace with, with not meeting like some kind of standard or, um, yeah, or, and, and like you say, there's, I mean, we come from a Western culture is like incredibly competitive. And so it's hard to like, to let go of that instinct to like compare yourself. So like, if you're looking back at people at home who are like, oh, my friend just bought a house and like had some yep. kids and getting married. And you're like, I literally, <laughs> my biggest accomplishment today was like, I got up and like went and got some food and yeah. I don't have any like, I don't know, like tangible, traditional prospects in that kind of way, I guess. And so it's oh, like, honey. 
Yeah, and it's just like it's your, it's just making peace with like, oh, that's okay, that's fine, that's okay, like I'm okay with that. That could be a whole pod in and of itself, just letting go of expectations yeah. and timelines and yeah. definitions, and and I still kind of am processing getting as far away as I can from having expectations and timelines on myself and trying to be as free and like just giving myself permission to go with the flow as opposed to being prescriptive because yeah along with being prescriptive gave me so much anxiety and I've realized that like anxiety doesn't necessarily come from any one particular life circumstance right it's it it will manifest it will manifest in different ways. I have had moments where I'm like, I, I still find myself comparing myself or setting up KPIs or performance metrics for myself while I'm living this life compared to expectations I had set up for myself in my previous life. Like, okay, now that I'm traveling so much, I don't know how well this sets me up for like settling down to be with a man and starting a family with him but then it's like why am I even questioning that that's I already know that at this point in my life I don't even care about yeah, having yeah. a relationship with anyone other than Rebecca right and it's just so weird how it's like you know it's like you can be in one place but your mind and your judgment of oneself can still be based on the past absolutely so wait so what was the so relationship ended and then what spurred coming here when I came out of university, okay, I think I went full throttle into my career, and I had set and I had like set aside martial arts and looked for the profession that felt like a competitive sport. So I went into sales, but then in 2018, that's when I started training in Muay Thai. And when I first started training, there was a deep sense of discomfort that something was going to that that was gonna somehow just turn my whole world and my current life upside oh, down. Okay. I really wanted to train. I really wanted to be a martial artist. I was a former junior national kung fu athlete in my teens. That's just what I wanna do with my life. And if I was in a relationship, I would, I would never leave my partner for an extended period of time. But because I have always wanted to really like give training my all for me coming to Thailand would be the best place to learn Muay Thai and if I was still in a relationship I would never have even entertained that thought mm -hmm. like it would just literally be like oh yeah that's something that people do but it's it's not ever it's not going to be something that I ever do right so so because you'd had the foundation or like introduction to Muay Thai. Yeah. That's why you chose Thailand. Yeah. Oh, okay, got you. And how's it going? <laughs> it is going amazing. What I mean, attracted you to Muay Thai? My dad was a provincial Kung Fu athlete and a Chinese kickboxing athlete in, in his um, hometown in, in Sichuan, China. And he taught my brother and I Sanda or Sanshou which is Chinese kickboxing. Okay. And there are like a lot of similarities between Chinese kickboxing, kickboxing in general, and Muay Thai. And for me, like I find it more interesting because in Muay Thai you do you have clinching, you have elbows and knees, and you don't have that in kickboxing. And it's violent, which I know that you were also drawn to. I just really wanted to apply myself as a martial artist. Yeah, that's very interesting. For me, 
because like I had no. <laughs> I'd done kickboxing in in high school, and then that was it. Like it was probably like I was in really good shape and I really enjoyed it and I did it with my mom and so there was like this like element of I don't know. It just it was a you did positive it with your mommy. Yeah. <laughs> Badass. Yeah. Shout out to Zoe's mom. Shout out to to Mama. Yeah. But um. Anyway, so uh, when I came to Thailand, I'd like read up about Muay Thai, but I didn't have any experience doing it. And I was like, oh, this would be cool. I really liked kickboxing. This would be cool to like try some kind of martial art again. Number one, and to like have a cultural experience because Muay Thai is like so much a part of Thai culture. Muay Thai as I've seen it it's like just so deeply embedded in the fabric of Thai culture. Mm -hmm. I mean because it has such a long history um, but like for me as much as it is like the that you're using like everything with, right. the, with the exception of headbutts which I have no interest in doing. <laughs> um, it's like, so you're using like all of your faculties, yep. um, but there's so much like respect that's a, that's part of the custom of Muay Thai. There is. And, which is like reflective of the importance of respect in Thai culture generally. And I know that the, that exists in other martial arts, yes. but I think it's just because Muay Thai is my first. I'm like, you know, yeah. the first cut is the deepest. Yeah. Anyways, just going to Muay Thai fights and you see the whole all of the traditions. So you do the Y crew, which is like right. an act of um, a dance to respect the former teachers or crews. And to me, that, that like that's so beautiful that like you start mm -hmm. before you fight, before you practice the art, and it is an art. Before you practice, you like pay respect, right? And then you respect all of the corners. You respect your opponent, like the the. Um, I don't know, it's just like, and then the music, like that, the, that there's like live instrumentation and that the instrumentation like mirrors the intensity of the fight. Like to me, that's, it's, it's so much more exciting to watch it when yeah. there is live instrumentation as opposed to a, like, like a CD, right. which they sometimes, have, like at my fights I had just a CD, which is yeah. fine. But it's like cool when you can like hear it getting like the tempo increasing or like decreasing or like whatever yeah. it's like it's getting near the end of the fight and it gets like really intense and it does like add to your engagement with the fight because you're like and I mean just being in Thailand like you <laughs> and practicing Muay Thai like you get a certain kind of respect as a tourist because they're like oh you're here like participating in our culture you're not yeah. just like here to observe you're like in it yeah and so there's a certain kind of like you you, you get the sense with like our teachers but even just people that I've met randomly I mean a lot of people are like why would you want to fuck up your face which is like the first yeah. reaction I get like every yeah. time I tell pretty much anyone that, yeah. that doesn't understand why you would want to do this they're like why would you like why and so <laughs> um, but other than that like yeah I think uh, I think it's I think it's for me like really deepen my connection to Thailand doing Muay Thai and so for a lot of reasons it's my favorite so you but I'm a bit Muay tired at the moment so this is like an interesting time to have an interview with me about it because I'm like I don't know if I don't want to say burnt out I just think I need some space honey bounce not break you're just taking <laughs> yeah. you're just bouncing 
that's yeah. it. Like, there's no shame in your game if you need to take a breather. No, I know. But it's like, I, I guess I'm just not totally sure if I'm taking a break because I'm just, like, yes. I've been doing it so right. much. Right. Or if it's like, I lost and I'm, like, feeling some kind of ego bruising walk of shame about it like I, I don't think I am but like maybe I am well it's good that you're checking yourself but I feel like I think every athlete goes through this this journey and it's like it's sometimes it's hard to tell um between your intuition and your ego or your intuition versus your anxiety or whatever yeah, yeah. I'm really interested in just having you walk me through your training camp and then the build up to winning your first fight and then coming right off your first fight, not really having that much time to relish in the spotlight and just mm -hmm. going straight back into your fight camp and then fighting your second fight and then fucking getting knocked down and getting right back up. I truly mean it when I say that. I think you looked most beautiful when, when, you, when you went through that Aww. because it just made me Respect Didn't feel you. Very beautiful. <laughs> well, no, and and I mean, you, yeah. you had you had blood all over your face, but then you were also laughing about it five minutes later. Yeah. So, like having been here before, I kind of knew what was going to be expected of me, right. which was to come twice a day, um, as much as I physically could handle, and so. So I didn't go twice a day every day because that's it's just so hard to do that. I think my ability to like hear my listen to my body when it needs to be listened to is like an asset that I have. I've had three months of training total, which is like training intensely for three months. I came back with a one-way ticket being like, I'm gonna have at least one fight. I kind of had some idea of what was gonna be expected of me. So I knew that it was gonna be like, the first couple weeks were gonna be brutal, which they were. And then in terms of like getting those muscles back, waking them up and getting them you know, conditioned again. Our gym, Lana is kind of unique in that there's a lot of sparring. So we spar every day, mm -hmm. twice a day. And um, most gyms in Thailand actually focus more on clinching. Right. And so that, I think that the sparring every day actually did get me prepared for the fight, like really prepared for the fight. Cause like you're, you're essentially fighting every day, like not to the same extent not to the same level maybe, but like you're, you're essentially fighting every day. And so you're not afraid of getting punched in the face because you've been punched in the face a lot of times already. And so, whereas like if you don't have a lot of sparring experience, then like your first fight can be like that much more scary. Right. And so, um, but with that said, there was a point in those two months leading up to the first fight where I was like so sick of sparring. I was like always hurt. I didn't feel like I was like, I just felt like I was always injured at training, which right. I was like just so frustrated. Yeah. And I like, anyways, I've got my homegirl here who was like helping me talk through it, who, and she was just like, you should just take a break from, it sounds like, like I didn't know that it was sparring, but talking to her about it, she's like, it sounds like you should just like take a break from sparring. And so, and so I just went to training and I was like, I'm paying to be here. Like, I'm gonna stop sparring. Um, for a little bit, because I need to like heal. And I don't think the trainers understood, but. We're just not acclimated <laughs> to that level of torture. No, it's, that's the thing, it was, feel, it was feeling like torture. Yeah. And so, and I was like, I was really averse to going to training. Yeah. And I was like, this is, like I, I want to be here. Like, yeah. I 
it paid to be here. I carved out the time to be here. I saved them. I worked. I hustled to like save the money to be here, and like, so I want to enjoy this experience. And there are, it, it's like a, you have to like constantly practice that reminder when you're like in training, being like, fuck, yeah. what am I doing? I've here? had so many of those moments. Then you have to remember, like, I want to be here, yeah. and then like try to access the fun parts of it again. And so, anyways, all this to say, like, taking a break from sparring allowed me to reconnect with the fun like what makes it fun yes. and why I enjoy it and then I and then I did start sparring again and like and it was so one of the bigger reasons that I decided to come back to Wana was dang the one of the head teachers yep anyways I, I could talk forever about him but anyways he was a big reason I came back but also like the 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 amount of female fighters that were there is like very unique it's it's um like Chiang Mai is like a great city to be in in Thailand. Like there's, it's a, there's, uh, you can get a lot more fights as a woman in Chiang Mai than you can anywhere else. And so it's kind of become this like female fighter capital mm -hmm. in a way. And so anyways, there's a lot of women that were training at the gym at, at the time that I arrived and who are better than me, which is what kind of what you want. Mm -hmm. And so they were just like kicking my ass until I got better. Yeah. And, but they were also like gentle teachers, yeah. like where they were like, okay, like, yeah, I beat the shit out of you, but like this got better, like try and improve this, like don't yeah. do that and don't cry, <laughs> which happens quite a bit. But anyways, it was um, like so much of my fight camp or progression in yeah. training was was like thanks to the other female students that were there that were like, that had different strengths and so like taught me how to adapt to like a, to an opponent and like um yeah so that was a that i'm so grateful for that part of like all of those people that were like part of that training um and then so sparring so yeah so then they taught me sorry this is i'm back on track now so it was some of those women who taught me like you don't need to spar at 100% which is a now I see is like an error that many beginners make oh my god I could go into all of my beginner mistakes but yeah, yeah, yeah. no we'll come so, back to and that. then I was like holy shit I was a <laughs> terrible sparring partner when I was like at the start of this because I was going 100% and that must have been so annoying for other people who are more well like comfortable in it because uh, sparring is not something you do 100%. Yeah. Uh, and so it's, you can get really hurt. You can really hurt your opponent and you can really hurt yourself. And so over time I like learned how to spar lightly, but still like with effort and like with speed, but it's just like not at the last second you like sort of pull back the kick. Cause I got really hurt sparring with some beginners where like, not you, don't worry. But like, and that's the other thing, like I hate like when people get mad about their sparring partners and it's like, you cannot take it personally. Like, um, I was like, you hurt me, I hurt you. Like, this is just the it's nature just the way of what we're it doing. Is. Like we're yeah. literally trying to, we're trying to one up each other in yeah. a physical way. Like, right. That's just the way it is. Um, but just like the nature of sparring is that you are hitting each other. Yeah. And so like accidents happen, you like, oh, I bonked you in the nose and like, now I have a bruise on my abs or like whatever it is like yeah. I can't 
it's, it just seems unfair to be like mad that you like did think, what you were supposed to no, do. No, and I think that's the that's the <laughs> unique thing about the martial arts community is like it attracts a lot of really like straight up people because like in training and practice and ultimate like the final performance is like trying to knock the shit out of another human being. But then what's so beautiful is like you see the competitors like hug each other and like take photos with each other because like we just we all know that we're going in and doing something really hard. We're practicing what we're we made time to be there for. It takes a village to learn this art and I will say that as a female athlete, having a female support system is not super, super necessary, but it, it has made a world of a difference yeah. in my training experience. Because the trainers can't always be there to give you guidance on every single thing. Mm. So your community, your, your other um, training partners give you that additional guidance, yeah. especially as a beginner. We're all like We're teaching all each other. <laughs> I mean, we all have to teach each other, and we so like, and there's a lot of teaching that gets exchanged between students. We're a team. We gotta like right. teach each other. You need to be like patient and put in the work to like help your fellow student get to where you were. Because at one point you were th them. Yeah. Like at one point I was them, and right. I was just like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Yeah. I don't know. Like, is it too much? Like, I don't have a sense of my own power. I don't think I've ever felt like even when somebody was had a total lack of control over their power that it came from malicious no. intent ever. Right. I think that we have to just learn not to personalize it. Canadian thing. Like we're just too polite to like say like honestly you're being crazy. <laughs> yeah. Pull, pull it back. It's like too much power. I know. I struggle with saying that too because I don't it's it's <laughs> weird because there's a part in me that's like I don't want to hurt their feelings and make yeah, them exactly. feel like stupid for like, you know, not knowing something because I know what it's like to feel really intimidated and when and maybe this person is just being really crazy because they're scared. And I would say like I had a conversation with someone at our gym right now recently and for me doing Muay Thai has been the biggest ego check. Right. I have ever experienced. Right. Like training Muay Thai, your ego gets checked every day. You gotta check your ego to be like, oh, like I'm getting so good, and then you like spar with someone who's way better than you, and you're like, oh, I'm not so good. Or, or yeah, oh. and you need that to not get crushed when you do get like beat up because so many people can have that moment and be like, okay, fuck this. Like, I mean, if it was easy, then it wouldn't be fun. Like, there's a little, there's a little bit of thrill in knowing yeah. that. Like yeah. today I might get my ass kicked and, yeah. but today I'm also might do really well. So talk me through like your curiosity leading up to knowing yourself on a primal violent level. I guess I, I would say it probably started somewhere in high school. As a woman, we're taught to be more subdued. So I think there's like, maybe it's like a curiosity to rebel against that suppression if you want to call it that or just kind of like maybe from a survival point of view of like if like imagining like if this was the apocalypse could I beat the shit out of someone mm. <laughs> like which is kind of obviously an extreme example but it's like that kind of or if it was like from a hunter-gatherer point of view where you're like if if we yeah like could I how would I fare that's essentially the question like and so and then it kind of like over time like into the beginning of my 20s I was like okay but if a man attacked me could I defend myself mm -hmm. I just want to like really access this like part of my human nature that like very much exists but is like not 
accessed very much because just by nature of what the reality of what our society is like we right. do not need to like there's no necessity for violence on a daily basis and you know like yeah you, I could go like pick a fight at a bar but to me that's like there's no class <laughs> in that no. and like I don't really want to like it's it's a totally different thing when when you're getting into a ring and there's agreed upon rules and there's a certain amount of respect and like it's it's just like a totally it's to me it's a much like it's a much safer like it's a much safer environment and there's like this mutual understanding yeah. that like we're both here because we want because we want to be right. and we understand the rules and they're like whatever and so because there's rules and it's like a game. Like it's in this. It's in the context of a, a, a setup game, and there are rules. Yeah. Or, yeah. Uh, points. Yeah. And so there's a part of me though too that's like, okay, so, so, because there's rules, like I don't actually know how I would fare in a bare knuckle fight. Right. Right. So like, but I don't think I'll ever. I just can't see how I would ever justify like, um, being that violent unless. I was defending myself and I can't imagine myself in a situation where like that would happen so I don't think I'll ever like really itch that scratch but like this is the closest I have gotten to uh, to like knowing that part of myself and so I don't know if there's like a bit of like a masochistic element to it where it's like like there's a part of me that enjoys going inspiring and be like maybe I'm getting to get hurt today or like getting my getting my bloody nose of the second fight there was something that was like kind of satisfying yeah, about that where I was just like shit this is so violent and yeah. like like kind of badass and like well, I mean if you're badass. if you're gonna get if you're gonna lose like this is a pretty baller way to do it like anyway so it looks good on you honey it looks so good well anyways I I I just like I just mean to say like there's an, an attractive there's like an attraction to violence and I don't, I don't know if it's just cause it's like a part of my human nature that I don't know that well, but it's like exciting to me when it is accessed. Yeah. And totally. so. I mean, I already, I can relate to that cause I definitely know myself that I am very attracted to uh, doing painful things and pain in general and, the, and exploring the deep dark side. But I did see this great documentary on Rose Nama Yunus by Mixed Molly Whoopery, the YouTube channel. He was like, this is really what martial arts comes down to when we see these fights, when we see somebody rise up and then we can see how it can all come crashing down when they lose or whatever. At the core of our humanness, reality is hostile. Mm -hmm. And I think we, and we have that element of curiosity to be like, I wonder how, you know, I wonder what I'm made of or like, it's kind of a perverse pleasure, but I think when you don't try to overanalyze it too much, it's perfectly understandable. Right, yeah. Yeah, and I think, um, I don't know, I was having an interesting conversation with someone recently because I, I was sort of posing the question, like, do you need to experience suffering in order to, well, the context of the question was, do you need to experience suffering in order to, in order to have gratitude? The idea of like, can you, with doing Muay Thai, like, can you, do you have to get in the ring in order to understand Muay Thai? I think that, and I've had this conversation 
with my friend similar, similarly on the topic of personal growth and developing spiritual stamina, which ultimately boils down to the question of, can you really be confident in your, in, in your abilities or a certain skill if, if you've never been put to the test for it? Yeah. How will, and, and for me, the answer is like, no, like how am I, how can I say that? Yeah, like I would really fare well in a fight if I've never had a fight. I think it's presumptuous to, and it's not even about winning, but it's the fact that I tried and I experienced it. And yeah. then I can say with certainty because it actually happened. Right. Rather than just hypothetically like imagining myself. I think maybe suffering does that for us. Maybe it does show yeah. us how strong we are. Because we were talking about it sort of in the context of like, I was talking about a person who had like actively sought out experiences that were that were suffering. So like, like came from a, a well-to-do like middle-class family right. and chose to be homeless and dumpster dive. And to me, there's something that's kind of insulting about that. To I people would not who, do that, yeah. Okay, yeah, but like, there's something about that that's kind of insulting to people who are like truly impoverished. Right. But on the flip side, like, is having that, does that experience make you more compassionate to those people? Like, yeah, probably. Because like, if someone said to me like, oh, I've watched, <coughs> I've watched Muay Thai fights and therefore I understand it. I would be like, fuck off. Like you've not gotten in the ring. Like you do not understand what it takes to get in there. Yeah, that's a bit delusional. Right, and so, that. and so, and so, I, it's sort of changing my idea of suffering and the purpose of it. And like, does that, does that mean you should like, cause like growth doesn't really come from things going well. Like growth usually comes from some the rain of, and the shine. Right. But it, more so from the rain. Exactly. So like, so then, so then like, do you knowingly put yourself in situations where you know there's going to be rain? Like, because you want the rain. I think there's a search for meaning that us humans are all compelled to seek out. But with seeking that meaning, there's a lot of beauty and pain. And it's just a consequence of how those things go hand in hand. Like, the meaning, the pursuit of meaning will have inevitable suffering, but that suffering can also create a lot of meaning. Right, and I would say that that is the experience I had with fighting, which is like all of those really hard training sessions and sparring sessions and days where I was like, I just wanna, like n I never wanted to quit, but I was like, I just wanna quit the session. Like right. I just wanna go home. Or I'm like, I'm crying and I'm like losing so much face, which is an important thing in Thailand or Asian culture generally, but like, Anyways, and so all of those, let's call them, I don't necessarily want to call it suffering, but like all of those challenging Pain. days, like accumulate, added up to like the, the, the climax of meeting that goal that much sweeter. Cause like it, like it wouldn't have been, if everything went well, it just wouldn't have been like, wouldn't have tasted so good to like finally get in the ring yeah. and be like, I worked really hard for this. What was your mental game leading up to the fight? I thankfully had a, a fellow student who got me back into meditating, which I think was helpful, mm. which is like more like meditating for mindfulness. So it's like being really present. And so I think that helped me a lot 
at least in the first fight, to be like really aware of everything that was going on as it was happening. Right. And so it was like, where's my breathing? And like, what are all the sounds? And like, what are the sensations I'm feeling? Because I talked to people who were like, I didn't feel anything in my fight. I didn't hear anyone. Um, and so I sort of expected that. And so I was a little surprised when I actually got in the ring and I was like, I can hear everything that my coach is yelling at me. I can hear the announcer, I can hear the ref. I can hear her breathing, I can hear me breathing. Like, it was sort of like a sensory overload yeah. almost. You were heightened. Yeah, and so I think meditating helped with that like because it's so much mental discipline the training um and so i think that helped and then uh i was just like on game day i was really just excited like i had butterflies but yeah. i was like i didn't i didn't give them the power to be fear or like predominantly fear because there were of course, like it's healthy to have a little bit of fear, mm -hmm. um, and because like if shot. you're fearless, yeah, exactly. If you're fearless, then you're then you're reckless to an extent. Because like, because it does hurt. You can get hurt. You can get knocked out. You can get like whatever. And so to have a little bit of fear is important. But basically, I was like, this is what I've worked hard for. This has been a year in the making. It's finally happening. Um, I'm just excited. I'm excited to like, and I think that helped me a lot because I was like there was a lot more positivity in my mindset for the first fight than the second fight I was like way more fearful the second fight and like I don't I don't want to make excuses but like I was coming off of food poisoning and so like I don't know if that contributed to like not being in a good mental place but like I tried to do some of the similar some of the same exercises that I did leading up to the first fight for the second fight and they just weren't effective like I did meditate I did do like some visualization like shadow boxing is sort of visualization in itself because you're like visualizing your opponent I would like was nervous about like the white crew part and like sealing the ring and so I was like kind of like practicing like visualizing like walking in the ring and like bowing to all the corners and like whatever whatever um I did like <laughs> it sounds so corny I did a mind map leading up to the first fight of like, these are all the things I want to try and remember. And I think that if I make a visual representation of it, it'll help me remember right. it. I don't know if that actually worked, but just settled my mind to know that I had this like visual, like to-do list of re reminders of what, anyways, I don't know if that was effective. Um, and did the win of your first fight create any pressure for you going into the second fight? Yeah. Did it create maybe a heightened standard or expectation that you set for yourself? I, f like, well, I don't know. I think it would, I think it's just ego though. Cause I'm like, yeah, it would have been great to have two wins, but actually I'm really like, the more time passes, the more I'm like really grateful for a loss. Cause it's like a way, it's a much more enriching experience to lose. And like, and I'm glad that the win was first because mm. there was maybe some f a false sense of confidence mm. that led me to the second. Um, and then, because like, like talking to other people who fought where they, they lost the first, I think it's harder to get in the ring for the second. Mm. And so, so I'm kind of glad that the first one was a win. And the, and I 
am now grateful that the second one was a loss because I learned way more from the loss than the win. So we, you know, we were all there with you in your corner and we were so proud of your performance. But looking back, what do you think you did well and what, what are you not so happy with or what do you think you could have done differently? Yeah, so sorry, the other thing I wanted to, to mention now that you say that is that like having people there is, I internalized the pressure about people being there. Right. Where like, I was like, I don't want to let these people down. Like they paid to come watch me fight. And that's totally and valid. Right, but it's like, and I wouldn't expect, I wouldn't want my friends who I go to watch to feel to that feel pressure. That from you but it's others, really yeah. hard to like, to be like, oh my God, people have spent like whatever amount of money to like be here. And like, they, like I won, I had like a fourth round knockout in the first fight. And so like, I, there's like, there, this is like joking expectation that like, I'm gonna do it again. And so yeah, there was like a bit of pressure. And so my mental game in the second one was like, I, pa I panicked and like, you can't do that in a fight. Like mm. I, I was not calm. I was like, I, I panicked. What, I was like- What round were you panicking? Third, well, second round. Second and definitely the third, I was like, okay, I'm getting, I'm like getting beat up. <laughs> and, um, and it was kind of like, I just kind of, I was like, I, I don't want to say I gave up before I lost, but it was sort of like, I want the fucking bell to ring. Like I, like this is the longest two minutes of my yeah. life. Like I just want it to be done. And I think that sort of defeatist negative I wonder if that sort of defeatist negative attitude sort of contributed to like not having the right mental fortitude to win. Um, and so looking, so whatever, going transitioning back into your question, um, I would have liked my mental and emotional game to be stronger, but like, I don't know what I, like could have should have would have like I don't like there's nothing I can do now and and so and it's a, it's a, it's so cr like it's like hearing your own voice it's so cringe to watch your own fight because you're like oh I can see like a thousand errors it felt a lot faster than it looked like um, like I, like looking at every single moment where you're like I remember that being different like I remember I thought you were on this part of the ring and you're actually over here or whatever it was anyways. And so, um, yeah, with the second fight, I was just like way less present, not way less, like wasn't calm, panicked, like just emotionally not in a good, good space. And um, with that said though, I was like, I got knocked down and got up with the intention of continuing to fight. So like, I don't know what that was, <laughs> but, but like, but anyways, the ref called the fight because he was like, clearly, well, there's blood everywhere, but also you're getting your butt kicked, so like, enough's enough. But I like got up with the intention to keep going. And so I'm really proud of that. Um, that's sort of like part of the curiosity that I had in knowing that the, like, that violent part of myself that like, in the face of adversity, like there's perseverance and I've, I got some of it. I got some cojones. Um, yeah, you have some lady balls. Yeah, I have some lady balls. And um, so I'm glad to have met them. I think you also, 
Like, not a lot of people can actually say that they were in a situation where they had to confront their own panic or they had to confront their own ego fearing other people's expectations or them. Like, I think in a way, it's kind of a blessing. There's this quote that I really love, which is pressure is a privilege. And I think for you to have had that difficult emotional mental game experience where you're just feeling like I'm not... I'm not on the ball. I'm here and I'm wanting the bell to ring and I just feel like, you know, I'm not doing well. Like a lot of people have never been tested like that mm-hmm. and it's kind of it just goes to show how alive you are to be able to experience that and that on its own is a beautiful thing. Yeah. And like I was still able to like in between rounds, like I'm getting advice, I'm getting cornered and they're telling me like what's what to do and like I applied it. And I think where meditation can be helpful is like that that idea that like okay that was like a former moment like try to be like you were you were failing like a second ago but now's a new moment like you can get it back it was a more of a learning experience and so i'm grateful for that because like that's what i'm that's what i'm kind of here for yeah we look at an athlete not just based on the outcome but for the performance and like, yeah. that's what we saw yeah like, you really pulled the, those like lady balls out of you and I love. think, yeah, and I think, like, I've really, um, watching the amount of Muay Thai fights and getting close with teachers and stuff, like, you kind of understand that Thais are, like, kind of more attracted to people who fight with heart. Having that in the back of my mind, I was like, I just gotta keep going. <laughs> and so, like, yeah, I'm really, like, I'm satisfied with trying like I don't think I applied it perfectly but like trying to learn how to keep accessing that and like there was this woman that was training for a while at Lana and she kept saying to me like whenever you find yourself like just smile through training which made her really fun to watch fight because she would just be smiling through the whole thing just like laughing at herself and that's what she said to me she's like don't take yourself so seriously like think to yourself like how crazy is it that I'm in this fucking ring right now in Thailand like getting the shit kicked out of me. And that was sort of what happened where I was like, how crazy is this? Yeah. Like, I just got my ass kicked, my nose is bleeding everywhere. Like, isn't this, isn't this funny? Like what, ha- like how has my life brought me here? Yeah, so I'm amazing. in this moment. Like yeah, how yeah, did yeah. I get and here? And so that's where I was like leaving the ring, like looking like a psycho. Cause I was just like manically laughing. Like, yeah, with is- a bloody nose. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. What techniques do you think you, you were able to execute better and, and where do you think, you know, she was cornering you and, and had that upper hand in, in some parts? Yeah, so she was much stronger than me. Yeah, she was shorter, but like bigger and had a lot more power. Right. And I think once she saw that blood was drawn, she was like, a, went for the kill, which was the right move on her part because like, that's what I would have done. Right. That's what happened in my first fight. Like I saw my opponent kind of like making eyes that were like, okay, like she's gonna, she's gonna fall down soon. Like I'm just right. gonna like go for it. And so it was kind of it was like instant karma that my second fight a couple just weeks the later. Of the game. Yeah, yeah, like she, similar thing happened in reverse. And so, um, so her technique was totally on point. And and I don't know if she was like technically a better fighter. This is, the, this is the part of training where, like, we learn how to catch kicks, but it's, like, what I wasn't doing was, like, hitting her directly after, which was how you get the point. There were, oppor- there were like, a couple of opportunities I saw where I was, like, her guard was down and I, like, 
Goddard, when you're when you're learning so many like techniques and combinations and stuff, it's like it's easy to get attached to looking for an opening to do a certain move. And you're like, okay, you can't for me, I've come to find that like it's not helpful to like look for the move. You just have to like have the right reaction. My guard could have been better. Like I checked, like I completely forgot to check kicks in my first fight and I checked kicks in my second. And it's interesting because like, like I, I was saying, like Muay Thai is such a big part of Thai culture and especially like being somewhere like the gym where there's just constantly fights. There's so, it's so casual So like here. no one really cares. So it's kind of great because like you, you take a loss and like maybe to you it's a big deal, but like the trainers are already on to like the next fight. Yeah. Like, they don't care, like really, they don't yeah. care. And so it's not that serious. It's kind of the perfect place to be fighting yeah. because like like I said, like you just can't take yourself that seriously. Yeah. I always like to ask people, what have you learned from your own story so far? Oh my goodness. Like in terms of this chapter or the whole story. However you want to frame it. Oh wow. It's up to you, honey. What have I learned from my story? Um Okay, I will answer it <laughs> with this. I Okay, actually, it was talking to my dad about my second fight. Yeah. My parents have been really supportive. Like, they don't get it, but they're like, do you, boo-boo? Like, don't Go tell ahead. us about the fight. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to know. But just tell me you're okay. Anyways, but I was talking to my dad about it and uh, kind of, I, anyways, I'm just, my dad's the best. But working through the emotional part of the loss, and training more generally and, and kind of at this point feeling kind of more tired and like not really sure I'm like do I want to do more and like am I like w like what what's next kind of asking myself like what's next what's life after training what's life after achieving this goal like there's sort of this like come down that I'm like mm -hmm. processing and in that conversation my dad was like it sounds to me that you've learned the value in setting a goal and achieving it. And that's a huge, that's like probably the biggest takeaway I've, and we were sort of having this conversation at, earlier, or a few days ago, I should say, that like, so now I'm, I'm the last few days I've been like uh, journaling and like setting intentions for like new goals for myself. Like, like what are, like, I don't know if I necessarily want to do Muay Thai, but like would love to continue to set fitness goals because, because now I see the value in like, whether it's a long-term goal, a short-term goal, like having clear intentions and knowing that like how satisfying it is to like put in the work and see it through is like just amazing. And so now it's kind of sort of setting the way I'm trying to set up the next chapters, which are like, these are, these are my intentions. And like by setting those intentions, and trying to like uh, understand what needs to happen in order to achieve them is like is helping with anxiety about this chapter being over and being uncertain as to what the next thing is and um, yeah like processing the next chapter so definitely learning the value of goal setting would be I'm really grateful for that takeaway. Yeah. 
And is that a good answer? <laughs> the beautiful thing is, um, the beautiful thing is that now you really know that you are up to you. Yeah. Cause like, no, like I, it sounds so corny, but like the only person standing in your way is you with like anything. And so that's a lot of pressure on yourself. You're like, I don't like, and that's why I don't like making excuses. Cause I'm like, ultimately it's just me. Like I, like I'm in charge. So as much as, as much as I would love to just like blame other people, like I get to choose every day that like how how dedicated or focused or like whatever I want to be and um it's empowering and terrifying and it's kind of a great way to live your life <laughs> hell yeah yeah I mean yeah. how else would you have it there's no other way it's yeah it's beautiful I love asking this question to people and leaving it at that because I always see people go into this deep like contemplation and then I just love the spark in their eyes when they when they just have that aha moment as to what they're going to say and mm. as you know I don't like giving people answers or constraints or outlines whenever they come on my show because yeah. I just want people to to find the beauty inside of them yeah. and think um want to have a little bit of constraints but I think the most beautiful thing is when we're just all free and expressing ourselves mm -hmm. however we want and, and owning that we're all up, that we are each individually yeah. up to our own self figuring it out <laughs> yeah and at the same time we're all in this together thank you so much for being oh my on God, the show you're so welcome she's going to be in Toronto for the next little while yeah or not really well sort of I thought of Toronto working on a farm Let's talk about the next adventure. That's beautiful. <laughs> so, That's so random. Now for something you. completely different. Next. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Okay, Zoe, you're awesome. Thank you so much for being You're here. welcome.